Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. Today we'll be talking about secret societies and new world orders. Um, I started briefly talking about them in the past few weeks and this is just an extended, I guess you could say, episode with some more resources. So today I will be reading from or using as a resource the book Behold a Pale Horse by William Cooper. Now, William Cooper is no longer with us. William Cooper passed away telling the truth um, because of who he was or his rank in, they say, or he, you know, he was U.S. Navy, according to him, U.S. Air Force, and most of all, um, Navy intelligence, okay? And this is how he acquired a lot of his information. When he wrote this book, it came out in 1991, and you have to remember in the 90s, these books have always been out. There's always been people that know the truth or understood it, okay? Social media wasn't out there. YouTube wasn't out there. But there always have been people who, who had an idea of what the truth was and people who had an idea of what was coming. And there, there was a time then when people just started writing. He was one of them. Fritz Springmeier was another. People started putting things together. Holy blood, holy grail. A lot of people started coming together, <clears throat> writing these books. And so he was one of them. But at that time, it was very dangerous to do this thing because they were in a way, somewhat pioneers. And I'm not saying there was others after them and maybe before them. I'm just telling you about the ones that I know who put me on since I was um, coming into the knowledge of truth since uh, the year of 2009. So he's no longer with us. Now, if you ask them how he passed away, they're going to say that they came to arrest him in front of his home and he fired at them, which is why they shot at him. But most people tell you, including his own um, loved ones, that... He was just standing outside in front of his house. As a matter of fact, some people say he went outside to just get the morning paper, okay? And that people were outside, obviously, I'm sure it was organized crime, shot him. They say it was the sheriff's department. Maybe he was just sent. Listen, they could clean up the story however they want to. But the man died telling the truth. These days, you can tell the truth a little bit more freely than you can and safely because... They have figured out how do we get damage control on all of this information that's coming out. Because the Most High said in the late, latter days and the last days, he will pour out the spirits of truth. So the devil's side or their side must say, while he's pouring out the spirit of truth, we might as well pour out our spirit of lies. And so this is where you have the new age stuff because wide is the gate. That's a very, very, that reference is very, very, uh, has a lot of meaning. It's pregnant with a lot of meaning. Wide is the gate. Many paths lead to Satan. There's only one road, you know, and if that one road is obvious, then people are going to pay attention to it. But if you got too many roads and you are your own God, don't you all hear Satan's message today? The Bible is very clear. The Messiah is very clear that this is not his kingdom yet. His kingdom has not come. It is going to come out from the sky. It's going to come down adorned like a bride for its groom or something of that nature. A very beautiful thing is going to be. It's not here yet. This is the devil's reign, and we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and uh, uh, spiritual principalities just flying around in high places, meaning these fallen angels that came down here. So this man, in chapter 2 of his book, I want to just jump right into this and not do what I did in the last episode. I'm not trying to keep us here too long. His chapter 2 of this book is entitled Secret Societies and a New World Order. He begins with a quote by President Woodrow Wilson that says, There is a power so organized, so subtle, so complete, so pervasive, that they had better not speak of it above their breath 
when they speak in condemnation of it, okay? There's a power so organized, so subtle, so complete, so pervasive that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. So I tried to highlight in star because he said a lot and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to split this episode into another one. But as here's, he starts by saying, history is replete with whispers of secret societies, occults, accounts of elders or priests who guarded the forbidden knowledge of ancient peoples. Prominent men meeting in secret who directed the course of civilizations are recorded in writings of all people. The oldest is the Brotherhood of the Snake, also called the Brotherhood of the Dragon, and it still exists under many different names. The Brotherhood of the Snake is devoted to guarding the secret of the ages, which we know what that is, okay? The Babylonian secrets that went to Egypt that eventually came over into Europe as some kind of Druidism and now is in this form of different masonry and secret societies. It's all of the occult. And he says here, um, the snake is devoted to guarding the secrets of ages and to the recognition of Lucifer as the one and only true God. And it puts capital G here, meaning because they put him as their ultimate God. Okay. If you do not believe in God, Lucifer, or Satan, you must understand that there are great masses of people who do. I do not believe in racism, but millions of people do, and their beliefs and actions based on those beliefs will affect me. So basically, they're saying whether you believe in it or not, it's still going to affect you somehow, is already affecting you in some way, whether you, you know, know it or not. He goes on to say, it is clear that religion has always played a significant role in the course of these organizations. Okay, and it says communication with the higher source, often divine, is a familiar claim in all but a few. It says these secrets or the secrets of these groups are thought to be so profound that only a chosen, well-educated few are able to understand and use them. Which is why, you see, before I go on, I meant to say this in a lot of episodes, it kept going over my head that I talk so much and my thoughts go so many different ways. But I had always wanted to say that, um, it says here, well, a few are chosen and only a few are able to understand and use them. That's side studies is what I want to say, long story short. They study the few of them that know. Why would you want the whole world to know this? It's not for the whole world to know that this is exactly why you have an IQ of power now with the 1% on top or just 13 families, which really make up what the 1%. You know, there used to be those people that's walking around to my 1%ers and 2%. It sounded crazy as hell. But now when you look at it, you're starting to realize there is something going on here. And why is it that only just so much people get to be rich when there's all these resources in the world? And yes, somebody's controlling something and they're controlling it for a reason. And we all know that knowledge is power. Why do we act like it's not? The more you know, the more you, the more empowered you are in anything. If you, if you, even in class, if you have to study, the more you know, the more correct answers you get, the, the higher your score is on the test. So they study. And what is a, what is really like and adding an insult to injury to our side is even if you was in a church 20 40 50 years and even if you said i believe on god my entire life you are nowhere near as studied in your book a lot of people you are nowhere near as knowing in your history a lot of people you are nowhere near as, as knowing your legends on your side as they do so some of us are already losing out here already losing and falling in the traps how you, how 
You we do the, the Bible say study to show thyself approve a workman that neither not need be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All we have to do is read stuff and apply it as far as to our lives for moral purposes as a moral compass for our soul. These people have actually studied things and know how to cut they are studying and then they pass it on to centuries and centuries. Meanwhile, they done put people in place in your churches that they done put the put the put the put the abracadabra on in seminary school. So they done blinded them to death to go out here and 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 preach the good news with some this this is a that's a spell they put on people in the church. Hush now. Everybody be quiet, we all going heaven. I mean, unless some of you ain't, but they're not really, uh, you know, blessed and highly favored, having a bad week, sow a seed. God's going to bless you tomorrow. You know how it, you know how it goes. Ain't nothing they talking about in the church. <laughs> Sound like nothing we be talking about here, but this is the truth. That's not an accident. It's not an accident that they ask you to, to, to uh, honor you're the one true savior of mankind on a day that's pagan as heck. Talking about that's his birthday and belong to uh, the sun god or the fallen angel. What are you talking about? Or Cyrus, Nimrod, whatever you want to call him. Lucifer. You know, it's not funny that when you, the two holidays that's attributed to the savior of mankind, Easter, even though we know it should be Passover. This, this is the games that they play. They know what they did. How can we be... You ain't going to be studying in this book unless you try to be studied. But it goes on to say, because I get frustrated when I think about that. Because I'm like, they're just, they just know they stuff. They know they stuff so well. They know how to play tricks on everybody. So they don't know they stuff they should know. It says here, these are few special selected men. These men use their special knowledge for benefit of all mankind. At least that is what they claim for or, uh, for how are we to know, since their knowledge and actions have been secret? Fortunately, some of it has been made public. I'm going to go on here. I don't want to read too much. I just want to read what I feel you all should want to know or would be interested to know. It says, I find it intriguing that in most, they're talking about secret societies, if not all primitive tribal societies, all have adult members, they're usually separated into male and female groups, and the male usually dominates the culture. It says the exclusivity, the exclusivity, I don't even think I said that, the exclusivity, yeah, of membership is actually one of the secret society's most powerful weapons. There is a use of signs, passwords, and other tools. These have always been performed, um, these have always performed valuable functions in man's organizations everywhere. The stated reason, almost always different from the real reason for society's existence, is important. Okay? But most of these societies start off as fraternal. Now we're going to go up here. The camaraderie and why it's important. Now, the camaraderie in uh, secret societies, he says, is important. It's especially important because sharing hardships or secrets have always been a special thrill to man. No one who has ever undergone the rigors of boot camp is likely ever to forget the special feeling of belonging and comradeship or comradeship that was shared between the victims um, of the drill sergeant or company commander. It is an emotion born of initiation. The most potent tool of any secret society is the ritual and myth surrounding initiation. These special binding, 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 I'm sure you understand that binding, these special binding ceremonies 
have very deep meaning for the participants. It says, initiation performs several functions which make up the heart and soul of any true society. And it's true because there are so many secret societies. I know I say Freemasons, I know I say Thirsting Bloodlines. We're going to eventually talk about them all in depth, but I'm sure if you know, you know. You could even say Illuminati. That is, a, that's just an umbrella. Because then under that, you have a whole bunch of other subcategories or subtitles. And they all, uh, some people are, could be part of two. Like, you could be a member of two organizations. Sometimes they work together, sometimes they don't. But they all are on the same path of trying to get uh, this new world order. And most of all, hiding this secret. And making sure that even people of the group, not everybody in the group, knows all the secrets. I mean, for crying out loud. You, you know. So we go down here. Uh, it says... Uh, yeah, initiation performs several functions which make up the heart and soul of any true secret society. Like boot camp, the initiation into the armed forces, um, important aspects of human thought are universally compelling and merge to train and maintain the efforts of a group of people to operate in a certain direction. Basically, initiation bonds the members together in mysticism, especially when some of these rituals are so... I mean, um, degrading that, you know, there is some kind of a bonding in, it's like, uh, if you was, a, if you were people who were victim, uh, you and somebody else had all got human trafficked and let's say you all was together in the trenches, you know, and then you all live to tell about it, got rescued by FBI, CIA, whoever. Okay. Maybe you escaped on your own. And then maybe you all still have a bond later on because there's something about that, 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 that maybe everybody knows that you all was together in a terrible situation, severely being violated against your will, you know, human rights-wise, civil rights-wise. But nobody really understand the true aspect of what you went to except for those people that went and was there with you. Like they say, sometimes only an orange can talk to an orange. You know, the apple can't tell the banana what the, what the bananas go through every day, you know, kind of thing. So there is a bonding. And if you want to take on an even simpler... Uh, Comparison, you could just say when you're at work and you're suffering, damn it. Excuse my language. You got your coworkers, you be going through the trenches with. Some people, they went to nursing school with people or something. Maybe they, maybe they was a cop and they went through training. But there are certain people, maybe it was college. You all had to, four years of heck, y'all went through that one semester with that one professor. Y'all thought he was going to, y'all was going to die. He was trying to fail everybody. But there is some time. But with these uh, elite, with this ceremonial stuff, it's on a deeper level. Okay, almost soul-sucking. That's, that's my opinion. He didn't say that, but that's my personal opinion. So I'm going to continue on. Okay, so I'm going to read this paragraph. I'm going to read a lot, but it says neophytes. I don't know what that is, but he said neophytes gain knowledge of, of a secret. Neophytes gain knowledge of a secret, giving them special status. The ancient meaning of neophyte, oh, they tell me right here, is planted anew or reborn. A higher, a higher initiation is in reality a promotion, inspiring loyalty, and the desire to move up to the next rung. The goals of the society are reinforced, causing the initiated to act toward the goals in everyday life. That brings about a change in a political and social action of the member. The change is always in the best interest of the goals of the leader in the secret society. Okay, so now this is where they start to break down the roles because you have pawns and you have leaders. You have, so the leaders are called adepts. That's what he says. And he says this can best be illustrated by a soldier 
trained to follow orders without thinking. The result is often the wounding or death of the soldier for the realization of the commander's goal, which may or may not be good for the overall community. So initiation is a means of rewarding ambitious men who can be trusted. You will notice that the higher degree of initiation, the fewer the members who possess that degree. Again, the higher the degree of initiation, the fewer the members who possess that degree. So let's talk about Freemasonry. I think we all know the highest degree is third, third. And then everybody reached that. And by the time you reach that, you know stuff that don't nobody in that lodge will ever know. Let alone some of you, I don't know if, it, if they go one degree, two degree, or they skip degrees and go five, 10, 13, 27, then get to 33, okay? But the point is, at the end of the day, the person on the top is not that many people. It can't everybody, this ain't the everybody get in club. It can't, it ain't everybody coming to the penthouse party, you know? That's for a selective few. And by that time, you should have proved yourself to be... Um. I guess you could say worthy. And we'll talk about what they, how, how they control that as well. So it says right here, a method of deciding exactly who is to become an adept may be decided during initiation by asking a candidate to spit upon the Christian cross. If the candidate refuses, the member congratulates him and tells him, quote, you have made the right choice. A true adept would never do such a terrible thing. Unquote. And it says here, the newly initiated might find it disconcerting, however, that he or she never advances any higher. So even though, even though, even though they said, shit on this cross. No, 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 my religious beliefs, my mommy, my granny. And I'm not saying that to mock us. I'm just saying that's what somebody's saying. They're going to turn around and say, very good. Good job. Yeah, you made the right choice. A true adept, because you're looking for adept, they're going to tell you you made the right choice. A true adept will never do such a terrible thing. Mm-mm-mm. Meanwhile, as you're moving on, you're like, yeah, I did good. They told me I did good. You did good, but why am I not moving up? I haven't moved up. I haven't moved up. So even though they're supposed, this is why some of them get confused. Now, here it goes on the other hand. If instead the candidate spits upon the cross, he or she has demonstrated a knowledge of one of the mysteries and soon will find him or herself a candidate for the next higher level. Okay, so it says the mystery is that religion is but a tool to control the masses. Knowledge or wisdom is their only God, lowercase g, through which man himself will become God, lowercase g. Okay, now, before I go on, I have got to, and I'm saying this lowercase g for a reason. Let me get up and get my Bible. I already have it open here. I'm going to the, I'm using my King James study Bible. I am in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going over to verse 5. I'm going to be talking about that lie. That lie that is still being, that never went away. He just keeps telling the people. And that uh, that dang desire in man to want to be God or like him. Where does that come from? Anyway, <laughs> chapter 3, verse 5. I'm not going to do what I did in the last episode. We got to keep moving. Get this train going. Mm. The 
at 3 verse 5 says here, for God, this is the, the serpent talking to Eve after she said, oh, no, let's go back. As a matter of fact, I'm going back to verse one. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree thereof in the garden. Basically, hello, did God say that you should not eat from any every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. So, Eve already trying to, trying to, this is a, listen to what is happening here. I'm going to put it on with me. God said, if I touch you, I shouldn't look at you and touch you. If I do, I'm going to die. The serpent said, no, you won't die. Okay. This is the same thing that happened with the Messiah on the Mount with the 40 days of fasting after he got up out of the Jordan River and John the Baptist baptized him. The first thing he did was straight away beeline to the mountains to fast 40 days, 40 nights, pray for this for the assignment. Just the time had come. Okay. John the Baptist eventually afterwards was was I think arrested and was wanting to know, you know, was he the one? But he was fasting 40 days, and here come the devil talking him as reciting scripture now i'm not going to say that this is scripture but what she's trying to say is i hear what you're saying but i know god's command and this is what god says which is what was pretty much going on in the mountain but messiah was calm okay he knows exactly what's going on here you're trying to keep me off my game you're trying to throw me off you're trying to twist this scripture around so that i will sit there and, and stumble on this assignment and fail mankind so that it could all be delivered unto you. He even tried. This is why I don't understand why people don't understand the devil is selling people things. He offered the Messiah the entire kingdom of the world. And why would he be? Because the world is his at the moment. And it's not to say that he couldn't give it to him. But what kind of what kind of position would you have taken switching sides with the most high God to go get this little these little trinkets in his hand? This, this, little, this little ass world that's full of crap. And who want all of this? My point is, the devil was playing with him going back and forth then, okay? So that's what Eve said. She tried to stick to the word of God and say, God said, no, we're not supposed to do that. So what did he do? Dang, she's, she's, she's smart. She's smart, but I got to be a little bit smarter. No, 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 no. Because she's like, she probably thinking, die, drop that. No, 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 you ain't going to die. You're not going to die, which is partly the truth. She was not going to die immediately as soon as she consumed the fruit, but she would die spiritually she would not have access immediately like she did, was going to have eventually eternal life. So it goes on to say here in verse 5, which I want to get to, For God, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. Little g with an S at the end. And I always stress that when I read it because it's important to me something says knowing good and evil and if you read that it, if you read it quick if if you read it you see it he wasn't reading it she was hearing it all she heard was oh no you will surely not die for god does know that in the day that you eat of it 
then your guys your eyes are going to be open and you will be as gods knowing good and evil that sounds like a good thing you oh no you eat this tree you're gonna be like gods yeah i don't know if she assumed every angel was like okay god does main god and would i don't even know if she heard an s at the end for all we know she only heard you will be as god okay and the next thing he said was just simply knowing good and evil because she knows that god knows good and evil this was like uh, uh an, an adult talking to a little infant baby because at this point my wisdom is infinite compared to you, you got a little you just come literally just coming in the world what do you know you still learning you still trying to math this is the first time you're even getting tested and tried for crying out loud because you know certain uh satan is supposed to be the adversary and the accuser it's the first time and she failed so certainly she a little baby here and so what he was really saying in essence was huh, you're not gonna die physical death but in my heart i know that you're gonna die a spiritual death and your eyes gonna be open really open and you're gonna become as one of us meaning even though i'm a fallen angel and i know right from wrong I, the knowledge that i have um i i know i shouldn't do wrong but i'm gonna do wrong you see and so when humans become like gods they start thinking like they are god and they have their own power and not only that they start i guess you could say righteously doing it's like uh, the occult and alistair carly do as thou wilt is the whole of the law whatever and she ate and she listened and the fall the fall of man it was a fall of angels that was a fall of man that was it now you got two fallen different species here on the earth waiting for the armageddon and the judgment for everything else to get balanced back into place and then it says here um knowing knowing um or gods in the hebrews or the strong's concordance gods are as gods, G-O-D-S, in the Strong's Concordance, Hebrew 430, literally means illuminated. You will be like or as the illuminated, which is why they have the term illuminated because they call Lucifer the, um, the, the bearer of light, which is why sometimes when you hear people talking about some oh, light, 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 don't be so quick. You know, there's dark light. Not all light is good. And so I'm going to move on. I just wanted to put that in there as far as um this whole thing of them thinking that they are gods because i have to go back to what he was saying so it says here knowledge or wisdom is there only god i want to go back through which man himself will become god lowercase g the snake and the dragon are both symbols of wisdom lucifer is the personification of the symbol it was lucifer who tempted eve to entice adam to eat of the tree of knowledge and thus free man from the bonds of ignorance you see their idea is that lucifer freed man from the bonds of ignorance if you have some people say it on the sides of the enlil and the anunnaki or whatever but you know it's the one story different ways to tell it according to them right God would have had us enslaved in the garden and his slaves forever just working on the garden with no knowledge and being dumb Thank God that Lucifer came and freed us from this other thing who wanted us to just sit in a garden. You understand what I'm saying? Because with the knowledge that was given to them, eventually to Cain's children, we talked about how Cain's daughters made it on the boat. From the boat, we got Ham's wife becoming the mother of Egyptus, who later became Isis. And she was also supposed to be the mother of Mizraim, who was supposed to be the founder also of Egypt or the first king over it. Because Pharaoh didn't come until later. Okay, and then also, I think Cush was her son, and we trying to figure out if Ham had another wife. But we figured out um, from Cain's line, 
started Egypt. So somehow Egypt got a hold of that Babylonian magic plus those two stones, those two pillars that was uh, planted in the earth or on the earth before the flood because the children of Seth or the children of Cain, our side said it was the children of Seth, according to Josephus, wanted to put all the ancient knowledge of the world on those two pillars because they had prior knowledge through Abraham being a prophet that the world would be destroyed twice, once by water and another time by fire. So they made two in case one got destroyed by the water. They didn't know what was coming first or second. The other one would remain. And so all secrets would not be lost to mankind. Clearly, people found that stone afterwards. Okay, so then you have Babylonian magic coming up out of Egypt. And then blah, 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 etc. Eventually, from um, Egypt or Ham's line or Cush, you got Nimrod. Nimrod immediately, immediately came out with this Antichrist spirit talking about he wants to avenge the flood, but you wasn't even there during the flood. Like I said in the previous episode, why are you so mad about something that's supposed to be good? He came up with an antichrist spirit, subdued the whole world, built a tower, trying to take out God, avenging his ancestors. Is really what, that's what the translation should read. I'm avenging what you did to my ancestors. Some translations of uh, Hebrew, Hebrew led tradition in history says that he was a gibberim on the earth and gibberim translates to some kind of a type of a a descendant of a fallen in a sense or he has some kind of dna or something and we also know that he had uh, acquired the skins that god had made adam to wear after they left the garden so that they would get protection and animals would not devour them because there was not lo any longer just living off paradise in the land that gave up fruit and yielded up things now they had to actually go killing it was harder life but so the animals wouldn't just kill them because nobody was living peacefully in harna in the, in, the, in the garden the lion was laying with the lamb <laughs> you know how it is out here you got the real world and so yeah it's just uh let me get back into this it's just got a lot going on here that devil so busy and you hear them all today talking about they want to be god so it says if you do no no, no i read this part that's the wrong page <laughs> mm. yes it says it was oh this guy did that already then it says the worship then it said a lot of different from study of knowledge because that's what they do the worship of knowledge they worship knowledge they worship wisdom wisdom is a god you know what what satan did what he or lucifer gave them that is what they worship and he says that knowledge is science or technology it's a science or technology is satanism in its purest form and its god is lucifer so watch out your elon Musk's and all of these people because these are the new uh, metaverse all these people you see the closer they get it pushing people away from god it says it's the secret symbol and its secret symbol is the all-seeing eye in the period pyramid, which is why when the forefathers came all over here, um, first president of the United States was Freemason, and a lot of half of the presidents was in 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 secret societies, not always in Freemasonry. There's skull and bulls, and there's other occult ones. Even even Trump was in one. They have so many now. I think they are even started creating new ones over the past hundred cents. Just true. Okay, but at the end of the day, you got to wonder how Freemasonry came over here. And then when they make money later on, they put in uh, Egypt on here, but Egypt's way over there. 
with an eye. And not only that, on top of that, um, you, they have something called, on, even on the dollar bill, New World Order, and whatever it is saying in Latin, you came from one world, Europe, where they had hid after they left Egypt. Now you're over here creating a New World Order? This New World Order is a big deal. That, that, and Freemasons built the land. And all of this is a coincidence. I don't think so. That's not no perfect accident like that. That's that's people doing what they were trying to set up to do from centuries before. So it says, it says, it says here. Oh. I don't think that's that important for us. Let's see. Maybe. Oh, it says, in many primitive or backward societies, initiation into the highest degrees of the group involves subjugation to trials, which not infrequently resulted in death or insanity for the candidate. It can be seen that socially right and wrong is not the yardstick in estimating the value of a secret society. It says the Borneo, because see, everybody, what he's basically saying is no matter what secret society in the world it is from ancient up to now, there's always a, a ritual. You got to understand some fraternities, fraternities and sororities are little, they are like many, they are many secret societies because, you know, it, the understanding is uh, you have to pledge your way in. They're kind of modeled after them, but you have to understand the secret societies uh, in the Yale and these I would say Ivy League schools. Dumbs is not fraternities. Dumbs is literally called secret societies. But the fraternities and the, and the sororities all kind of model after those kind of things, okay? That's why when people get in, initiated, you have a lot of students either lose their life or going through these things, and you have abuse of power, too. But we're going to move on. Then He's just talking about here in the Borneo secret society, the initiates of hunting. The, so this is a hunting society. Borneo initiates of hunting societies consider it notorious and compulsory to hunt heads. So that's their initiates have to hunt heads. It says in Polynesia, infanticide, which is killing a child, and um, the buck were considered essential for initiation into their secret society. So this is secret society. You want blood on your hands, specifically the blood of innocence. That's essential for initiation. This is where the tribal code needed members who indulge in these things as pillars of society. They needed them to be pillars of society, but they indulge in those things on the low. This is who you're looking for. Now, you see... He even mentions the case. He mentions a lot of secret societies, whether you, some are, there's so many that he's like, he's literally, he mentions the Nazi party is, was a secret society. They did things we didn't know about. Ku Klux Klan is still a secret society due to uh, mostly the fact that the general public is disgusted by them and that their activities are sometimes illegal and that the society, uh, the secrecy of their membership is still real. So this is what led me to believe or ask when I was seeing this. I said, yeah, because we all have, everybody has to be initiated. And I said, well, if the KKK, this is off topic a little bit, is still active today, and they are. And you have to realize there's a trend now, whether you realize it or not, of African-American people, men or women, either being murdered by white counterparts. I'm not a racist person. I'm just telling you what is the fact. 
or they're missing and a last person seeing them was maybe a white counterpart who they may have met on a social media dating site and then after the date they either drop dead at the person's apartment i've seen a thousand cases these people are either getting away with murder the police are either not further looking into the investigation because they, they they're not thinking it's foul play or this person maybe ran away or something of that nature then you have on the other hand where if they do get charged with something they're getting the least time as possible and it could i'm wondering let me tell you the most scary one the most one that troubled people i don't know if people remember years ago there was a woman who was a black woman she went to a slumber party she was a, a Caribbean woman who moved to the town recently. I think her son was on a either football or basketball team. Do not quote me out of school with one of these women who invited her to a slumber party. It was like five women at the slumber party, I guess, and her. She didn't know everybody at the party. She only knew uh, maybe one or two people that she was close with. It just so happened that day when she went to the party, it was two guys there. Well, what are guys doing at an all-female slumber party? Supposedly, it was either the boyfriend of the, the woman who invited her over, who she didn't even like that much. She even told her husband, like, eh, I don't really want to go, but I, I don't, you know, I don't really feel that comfortable about it, but I don't want to be mean, so I'm going to go. Something went wrong in the middle of the night about her wanting to smoke a marijuana cigarette, and then uh, there was an altercation where they asked her to just smoke it outside, and then before the end of the night, one person decided that she wasn't going to stay at the party anymore because her anxiety was acting up and she just had a bad feeling. So she's going to leave. Right. This same for the same person who left the party later on, they found out that she was on a certain anxiety medication, um, a pill that they found in this black woman's body. Well, they according to them that she just fell out the window. That she probably went to the balcony in the middle of the night while everybody was smoking, while everybody was sleeping to smoke her marijuana, and she probably just lost balance and fell off of the balcony. But it never made any sense. Now, here's the thing. The boyfriend of the woman who was there, who invited her, whose house it was, who, who's hosting it and invited her to come, her boyfriend, who's the police officer, guess who comes over to investigate everything? People from his police department, right? And I'm not saying that it was... Um, it, that it was premeditated, maybe something went wrong, but they found that the woman had the anxiety medi medicine in her system. And they were trying to say, well, who would have given her that? Because the husband said that she was never on that type of medication, but they found out that a girl at the party was on that type of medication, and she usually carried it um, around her neck, and there was a picture with it around her neck. Anyway, well, none of these people have been charged to this day. Um, some people are just speculating, like all these other cases, did they just... Are they just hunting people for sport, knowing that they're going to get away with it because of maybe a certain affluence, things of power? So it made me think, are the KKK low-key hunting black people for sport these days? Are they just sending people as initiates? Like, listen, this BLM stuff is getting out of hand. Let's go mass shoot some black areas. You want to be in? I don't because I... Or you just hate black people and that's why you're doing it. But I do believe the KKK, no matter, I don't care. I believe people working, working with them and don't know. It could be a teacher and you wouldn't know because they have to work like everybody else, but they can't just skinhead themselves and make themselves so obvious and they have to cover up all their tattoos and they can't be who they really want to be. But that doesn't mean they're not doing what, they, what, they, what they're doing. If you think they're just meeting and talking, I think that's just them. Going back to this, though. Uh, do, do, do. Mm, I'll go here. Houses of worship and sacrifice existed in ancient cities. They were built, in fact, 
There were, in fact, temples built in honor of many gods, lowercase j, but as at the end, the buildings functioned often as meeting places for philosophers and mystics who were believed to possess the secrets of nature. These men usually banded together in seclusive philosophic and religious schools, or you could say mystery religion. Now, don't ever think religious means holy. You know, it just means zealous for the craft. The most important of all the ancient groups in the brotherhood of is the brotherhood of the snake or dragon and was simply known as the mysteries. The snake and the dragon are symbols that represent wisdom. Obviously, the dragon is the is, is Satan. And also you could say that the snake represents the serpent that snuck into the garden and uh, made man fall and supposedly was the Lord. There's, according to them, is the best thing that happened to us because we got all this wonderful wisdom. Yeah, We who? because <laughs> you y'all you know anyway the father of wisdom is the father of wisdom is lucifer also called the light bearer the focus of worship for the mysteries was osiris which was another name for lucifer osiris was the name of a bright star that the ancients believed had been cast down to earth the literal meaning of Lucifer is bringer of light or the morning star. After Osiris was gone from the sky, the ancients saw the sun as a representation of Osiris or more correctly, Lucifer. Now, what kills me about this is because we was just talking that Osiris is Nimrod. Because where we, where we got the Osiris, Isis, Isis, Osiris, Tamu, I mean... Excuse me, Semiramis. Semiramis was Nimrod's mother and wife. And you had Nimrod, who's supposed to be Osiris. So you have Semiramis, Osiris, and their son Tammuz, who she believed was him reincarnated. And they said that this, he represented the son, Osiris, but also that um, not just the son, but God. And then that Tammuz would be God the son. Okay. In such a way. And then, of course, I guess that would make the mother. The, and so you have the um, Holy Spirit and Trinity. And that was supposed to be somehow the first December 25th connection, meaning Tammuz. And that's how you get the 40 days for the weeping of Tammuz, which is mentioned in scripture. But that's that's pagan. And also the 40 days of Lent on the Catholic side is actually people weeping i mean or or sacrificing or fasting or whatever it is that they're abstaining from for 40 days that's that is specifically connected to um Tammuz. but osiris is supposed to be lucifer according to what he's saying which we had already said that nimrod was lucifer which is why i keep saying it have to be a spirit that keeps rising up and coming back into these people how can they all be interchangeable or how can one person be this person to be this person unless it's a spirit, in my opinion, that just keeps coming back. There's no other way to understand it. And so it says here, because he quotes Albert Pike, that Osiris was represented by the sun. And then, of course, in Isaiah chapter 14 and 12, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Okay. And then um, one other quote he has here is that it is claimed that after Lucifer fell from heaven, he brought with him the power of thinking as a gift for mankind. And that quote comes from Fred Gittings from the symbolism in occult art. 
Uh, says most of the greatest minds that had ever lived were initiated into secret societies of mystery by secret and dangerous rites, some of which were very cruel. Some of the most famous were known as Osiris, Isis, Sabaius, Sabili, and Eleusis. It says Plato was one of these initiates, and he describes some of these mysteries in his writings. It said Plato's initiation encompassed three days of an entombment in a great pyramid. So Plato, when he went through his initiations to learn some mysteries, he had to go be entombed. Well, a lot of the philosophers, see, a lot of the philosophers of the day was um, illuminated ones, meaning there was a, a um, um, secret societies of the day, which is how you get also, and I'll talk about this later, Darwin, whose family was always into genetics. Of Darwin's family was so incestuous, <clears throat> it wasn't even funny. And you find out later that Darwin, Copernicus, a lot of those people that started to be like, oh, evolution and uh, we're a ball and all, you know, we're not flat or if all these people that came into that to maybe be like, oh, we're smarter, we're getting smarter. All these people were actually of the occult. All these people were actually uh, in position and chose to pretty much change the game and change the way we looked at things, basically the truth of this world. I'm going to take a quick break, and I will be right back. Okay, I'm back from break. And before that, I was talking about Plato as an initiate into the cult, wanted to know uh, mysteries, was entombed into a great pyramid for three days, which during that time he died, not literally, but symbolically, and was reborn and was given secrets that he was to preserve. Because Plato's writings are full of information on the mysteries, um... So it says here, Manly P. Hall stated in his book, The Secret Teachings of All Ages, that the illumined, the illumined of antiquity entered its pyramid of Giza portals as men. Then they came forth as gods. Okay, so illuminated men or the illumined of antiquity entered it, meaning the pyramid of Giza portals as men, and came forth as God. The ancient Egyptian word for pyramid was kuti. K-H-U-T-I, which meant glorious light. Mr. Hall also, Mrs. Hall says also the pyramids, the great Egyptian temples were Egyptian temples of initiation. Now, here's the thing I want to say. The reason why the temples are so, you see, you know, I don't know if you all remember, but there was a time when Obama, I think he was still, he was still, um, actually president but i don't know if you remember there was a time he did a, a very very fascinating trip to egypt i think he said he'd never been before but then he went into a tomb and it was daytime when he went i'm sure things happened later on i'm thinking i'm sure he'd been to tombs many times but don't you believe you know he pointed literally at one of the um carvings in the wall and one of the people carved in the wall looked like him okay because there are ancient artifacts of people that actually resemble obama but we don't know what's really going on there. But I do believe that the men, um, like, why is the always going over there? Sure, there's ancient ruins. Why is the temple so important? Except, it's, yes, it's connected to Egypt. It's connected to Babylonia. It's connected to dark magic. It's connected to kings. We know that's how they bury the kings. But there ain't but so many of them. It's not that every king got buried in, in, a, in a pyramid because it'd be pyramids all over, you know? So what what is it that's so great? So it says, according to many, the Great Pyramids were built to commemorate and observe a supernova explosion that occurred in the year 4000 B.C. 
um, according to Dr. Anthony Hewish, a 1974 Nobel Peace Prize winner in physics. Okay, they did. They said that he discovered a rhythmic series of radio pulses, which proved that there were emissions from a star, or some kind of object that had exploded around 4,000 BC. The Freemasons began their calendar year from AL, or in the year of light. Okay, and then it just went down to say that. Um, they consider pretty much those as markers as to where that happened and consider them to be energy points and portals. It's more than just um, pretty things that they built or to, to pretty much uh, bury their kings. <laughs> so now it says here, storms are becoming more violent and less predictable. The ice caps at the poles are growing larger. The temperature zones where food can be grown are shrinking. And simultaneously, a vault containing the ancient records of the earth will be opened in Egypt. The return of Lucifer and the opening of the vault will usher in the millennium. A great celebration has already been planned by the Millennium Society to take place at the pyramids in Egypt, according to the January 3rd, 1989 edition of the Arizona Daily Star, President-elect Bush is spending this year's holiday at Camp David, Maryland, but in 10 years, he may be in Egypt. Organizations, it says organizers of the Millennium Society say he's already committed to ushering in the next century at the Great Pyramid of Cheops in Giza. Now, Giza, they already said that was the mark right there. The pyramid in Giza is where uh, Plato went in. Remember, that's supposed to be initiation and stuff. But it says that he's not ushering the millennium in 19, in 1989, January 3rd, 1989. He's going to be at Camp David. But give him 10 years around 1999. See, this is when they started talking about 1999 was going to be the end of the world, Y2K. Give him 10 years that he's going to go to the Great Pyramids. I don't know if how true that is. Remember, this book came out in 1991. It says, but I'm sure I pretty much know we are in the new age already. It's not like they would tell us. The first secret that one must know to even begin to understand the mysteries is that their members believe that there are but a few truly mature minds in the world. They believe that those minds, the, the mature minds, belong exclusively to them. Meaning like we should be the ones that have those really exclusive minds. The philosophy follows, the, follow, the philosophy that follows is the classic secret society view of humanity. Quote, when a person of strong intellect is confronted with a problem which calls for the use of reasoning faculties, they keep their poise and attempt to reach a solution by garnering facts bearing upon the question. On the other hand, those who are immature when confronted by the same problem are overwhelmed, while the former may be said to be qualified to solve the mystery of their own destiny, the latter must be led like a bunch of animals and taught in the simplest language like sheep they are totally dependent on the shepherd the able intellect is taught the mysteries the esoteric spiritual truths but the masses on the other hand are taught literal exoteric interpretations meaning watered down mumbo jumbo so while the masses worship the five senses the few select observe recognizing in the gulf between them the symbolic con con 
concretions of the great abstract of truth. So the masses are doing the five senses thing, things that they could see, touch, or whatever. But the selective few observe, um, you know, the gulf that's between them. And they are, on the other hand, more focused on the symbolic concretions of great abstract, great meaning abstract, meaning the largest thing. They don't give that to everybody, which is why I said in the previous episode with the keys of Solomon, the one that Alistair Crowley was working with, and the ones the church of Satan is working with, they 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 know. And then you got the ones that I could probably get on Amazon, and I just feel like things was taken out, and some things was watered down, and that even if it was to work, it wouldn't appear like it worked to me, but it probably would have opened up some things into my life, like um, demons or something. Then he says the initiated elect uh, communicate directly to gods, and then it parenthesis says aliens question mark. Remember. Fallen angels are ghosts, aliens, all those things that you think that, no, they're all one in the same shape, shift, and demons that they said they initiate elect communication to directly to the gods, quote, or question, or parentheses, aliens who communicate back to them. The masses sacrifice their lambs on an altar facing a stone idol that can neither hear or speak. The elect are given knowledge of the mysteries and are illuminated and are thus known as the Illuminati or the Illuminated Ones, the guardians of the secrets of the ages. Okay. I'm going to skip on. Man says a lot, but. Uh, yeah, we're going to go down here. Oh. We know that the we know that the Templars are Illuminati because the Freemasons absorbed and protected those that escaped persecution of the church and France, just as the Freemasons would absorb and protect Weishaupt's Illuminati centuries later. The Knights Templar exists today as a higher degree of Freemasonry within the Templar order. In fact, the Knights Templar is a branch of the Order of Quest. The De Molay Society is a branch of the Freemasons that consecrates the memory of the persecution of the Knights of Templar and, in particular, their leader, Jacques de Molay. I know, he says, because I was a member of the De Molay Society as a young adult. I love the mystery and, and ritual. I became separated from the society when my family moved to a location out of reach of any lodge. I believe to this day that my association with the De Malay Society may have been the reason for my selection as a naval security and intelligence um, officer, which is true. They know where to put them. They put them where they, they know who you are. It would be no different than if you was in a fraternity or sorority and you put that on your resume and that's supposed to open doors. Like somebody's supposed to see that and you're supposed to be, uh, I don't know, for some reason you're supposed to get a little bit more preferential treatment or you know, your club, your organizations, even out of out of um, college, you all are supposed to still be in touch. They have seminars. They have all kind of founders days and anniversaries and you rub elbows with people and everybody's climbing. So you're they're always keeping in touch and climbing. You know? So it says here, according to members of the intelligence community, when a new world order is solidified, the relics will be taken out, will be united with the spear of destiny. Oh, God. I love my Lord Soma. You all see all these topics we've been talking about lately. Let me tell you how I thought about this book today. I was sitting there looking at my bookshelf. I was trying to figure out what to talk about. And I said, I want to talk about some things, but then I'm trying to, you know. And I looked at the bookshelf and tried to figure out what book have I not touched lately. And this book 
is old. And I know for a fact that it's a paperback, but the, the front ripped off. And, ooh, the binding on the side, too. I, I still hold on to my books. I don't care how beat up they get. And so I couldn't even figure out what book it was. But then I remembered... Let me, I sometimes pick it up because it was all in between under some books. I said, I'm just pick it up moving. I said, oh, this is the hell of a pale horse. I said, well, I haven't touched this in years. So let me just see what it do for me now. Because, you know, sometimes you look at things with different eyes. Like, I'm a, I know more now than I did then. And I noticed that this stuff was here. But when I got to this part, I, when I got to a lot of things, I said, oh, my God, we all been just talking about this. We've been talking about Osiris. We've been talking about these free. We've been talking about all this. So I might as well talk about this tonight. When I got here and it says, listen, according to members of intelligence community, when the new world order is solidified, the relics will be taken out, will be united with the sphere of destiny and will, according to legend, give the world's ruler absolute power. This would be the Antichrist. But look how it says the spirit of destiny. We was talking about the spirit of destiny in a, in a previous episode. So I saw that and this is the stuff that God does to me. This is stuff that God does to me when. I'm just looking at one thing and then looking at one thing or just about every other thing I was talking about comes in. But then maybe a little bit more to go a little bit further than when I was at before. This is stuff that was happening to me and also always in a short amount of time. Sometimes it might take some time, but it's never in a time where I was thinking about it. I was so passionately involved in it. And then I sat down for a month or two or three. It's like he always gives it to me while I'm still hot and fresh. Now, the spirit of destiny was talked about when we was talking about the legend of Tubalcane. I talked about it in Tubalcane. I told you the first time that I heard the legend was on the side of the Freemasons when I went to YouTube and I sat on one of their pages. Because the same way we all got our platforms and everybody's, you know, got their content is the same way they have theirs. And they want to be helping other brothers to understand the legends. That initiation is important. Knowing your legends is important. And they want people to know more. And people coming in are eager and they want to know more. So he said he was going to share a legend of Tubalcain that most have not heard about, but is a true legend. So when I heard this legend, I actually heard it by the mouth. But now here is William Cooper talking about it in this book. And after I seen it in this book, I did more and I seen it on paper. And also the spirit of destiny is a real thing or the spirit, spirit of destiny is a real thing. So he was basically saying that Tubalcain, even after God has said, I'm put a mark on you so that no man will avenge you. I, it's going to be me to avenge. I will, I'm going to take you out when I decide to take you out, your family, your line out. Nobody really going to touch you. So they put covering on him. But it says that that was Cain. By the time they got down to Tubalcain, Cain's line kept getting worse and worse and worse. They was more demonic, more evil spirited and just uh, hardened heart against the Lord. So you have Tubal Cain who still was feeling like, I don't know. I know that our legend for our line, our bloodline goes that we are covered and nobody can avenge us. But he was still very much afraid for him and his family. That's what the guy that was telling the story said. Then he says that there was a meteor. This all ends up to be true. It is a true legend on the side of Freemasonry. There was a meteor that fell. Now, here's the thing. Legend now says, based on to what I've been reading in the, in the Google and things I've been pulling up, according to Freemasonry, they believe that it was a fallen angel that fell. Okay, so, so while angels might have fallen already or probably was getting ready to fall, maybe there was that something fell that could have been a fallen angel or something because they called it a meteor and it crashed into the earth. And those days when those meteors crashed to the earth, they was giving off special metals and crystals. I have a page I'm going to read to you all. And he found those metals and he said, okay, I'm going to build the biggest, two biggest, baddest weapons to protect himself. Apparently, the first reason to, for building 
what they said was Excalibur's sword. It was supposed to be a sword that they said later was Excalibur's actual sword. And the second thing that he fashioned and made for protection was this, the um, Spear of Destiny. But yeah, so the Spear of Destiny, isn't that? Yes, the Spear of Destiny is the spear that pierced the Messiah in his side. That made the water, the blood and the water come out. Okay? And so I said, wait a minute, we talking about this? Oh, here we go. So it says here, according to members of anything. According to members of intelligence community, when the new world order is solidified, the relics will be taken out because they have them all. Okay. Uh-huh. They'll be taken out. We'll be united with the spear of destiny and will, according to legend, give the world's ruler absolute power. This will be the Antichrist. So I want to go on and read you all some stuff now. Like I ain't been reading. Read you all some more stuff. Before I get tired, start getting chappy if i haven't been signing chapter already is this a spear yeah fiery spear from heaven this is coming from um the constant contact.com it says here in hebrew legends in hebrew legends um lucifer fall from the war in heaven was like a mighty fireball striking from heaven see like a mighty fireball so i, I don't know when they did they all fall? I don't know. Did some go later too? I don't know. But it says, Lucifer's fall from heaven was like a mighty fireball streaking from heavens, trailing a tail like a fiery dragon. The fall from heaven resembled a meteorite that came from the fiery eye of God's throne. Like a fallen star, because that's what a meteor kind of would look like, Lucifer was cast out from the presence of the fiery eye of God by the archangel Michael, while the archangel Gabriel protected the souls that were not swept down to earth by the dragon's tail. Okay, and I think this is why they say something about a third of the stars was in, in Revelation by the dragon's tail is going to swipe it out. But it says meteorites are a powerful symbol for the ancient Hebrews who revered their splendor and usefulness. Meteorites brought the gifts of fire from the sky and precious metals and crystals inside. These substances aided the advancements of metalworking and forging to a great deal. Okay, now this eventually, that's how the Bronze Age and the Iron Age was, was um, to become from metals that came, that's what they say. Anyway, it says right here, Tubal Cain though, what we want to know was the son of Cain who was noted for his brilliance in fashioning tools for a living. He was known for being the first uh, blacksmith who forged metal. And that is true. That's why Tubal Cain is honored in Freemasonry. They talk about their building because even before Hiram Abiff was Tubal Cain, the first blacksmith. I apologize. I had to take a quick break, but I'm back. And I'm going to continue off where I was reading at. Really good, interesting stuff. I like to just share with you all what I find. Maybe it helped. Maybe maybe some of the stuff that I've been saying to you all have been helping. I don't know that you all agree with everything I'm saying. You don't have to. Um, but it is thought-provoking. So it says here that legend has it that Tubal Cain found a great meteorite that God told him to forge a very special sword and spear that together would be invincible. As long as the bearer of the weapons never separated this from the sword and spear, they could not be defeated, okay? Tubal Cain was instructed to hide the weapons deep among the rocks at the top of a mountain until the time would come that they would be needed. 
They were found again much later and used by the kings and leaders of the Hebrew people to bring many victories. Okay, so while he might have fashioned it, it was a spear of destiny because it had a lot of purposes. And I'm telling you, the sword is supposed to be Excalibur's sword. So it told you it's a sword and it was a spear. Now, in the legends of Moses, it said that Moses was the one that took out the sword. There was a sword. Uh, you see, whatever wife it was that he had, she had a father and uh, he was wandering and then they gave him water. I think she even became a Hebrew as a prisoner of the father or something for a while. And eventually it was like 10 years, but he kept he was still alive and she kept feeding him bread. I think the woman that became his wife eventually was feeding him bread. And she kept saying, but secretly she was feeding him bread. And finally she said, oh, Dad, what happened to that guy? And he said he should be dead by now. But when they went to go check, he was alive. And she said, he's like, just let him out. And she was allowed to marry him. Eventually, while he was there, being now the son-in-law, married to this woman, I think this is after he left Africa, because he was a king of Africa for about, uh, during the escape from Egypt, that's where he was. He was a king of Africa for like 40 years. <laughs> then he went back to Egypt, and then he got his wife. Well, before he went back to Egypt, he got his wife. There was a sword there that had been in the earth for all this time that nobody was able to remove, according to the legend of Moses. And Moses went up to it one day and had writings on it. It had ancient writings. It said they might have even had the... Um, name of God written on it and they said nobody could plug it out but here come Moses and he just pulled it out one two three and even the father was like what in the world because that sword been there forever can't nobody remove it and then as soon as I heard that legend I said that's automatically sound like King Arthur to me and I'm still making the connections because I know legends have a way of just retelling real history but just putting it in other terms like same script different cast so to speak <sighs> where was I no, then in the legend that I heard from the guy on YouTube, he did say that Tuba came prayed to God. That's true. Tuba came prayed to God that he was afraid and he didn't know what else to do. So a meteor crashed and landed. He went out to where the meteor crashed at, saw these weapons. In his legend, the guy was telling vocally, he didn't say God specifically answered the prayer, just that he prayed, a meteor fell, and then he made the sword and the spear, you know, and that was it. And I'm going to go in here. Uh, says, unfortunately, the sword and spear were jealousy, jealously desired by rulers who fought over them and separated them. Eventually, the spear came to be owned by Phineas. Because remember, you have to own them together. It says right here, God told him to forge into um, the sword and the spear and that together, together would be invisible. As long as the bearer of the weapons never separated the sword and the spear. So a sword got stuck in the earth, somebody couldn't get it out, and then the spear went on in another direction. Whoever is going to be the Antichrist at the end times needs to have all the relics, including the spear and the sword, in order to access the full power that's going to be needed to have full control over the world. Okay, all we know is many leaders have fought for it, many leaders have had it, I don't know where it is now. Now, I'm going to read you something else interesting about this. Unfortunately, the sword and spear were jealously desired by rulers who fought over them and, and separated them. Eventually, the spear came to be owned by Phineas, the grandson of Aaron. Aaron was of the priest line. Remember, all the priests for the children of Israel was of the line of Aaron, which is why when I read that, I went running to the church like none of y'all related to Aaron. So who decided that <laughs> priests shouldn't be from the line of Aaron? The same way Aaron's line was allowed to marry and have children. This is how Aaron made sons to be the next generation of priests. 
okay? And they all were supposed to wear a certain type of thing, like an ephod with something on the chest with uh, 12 stones. Each stone was for the 12 tribes. I said, well, why don't the people? You got, boy, you know I had questions. That's when I said, no. And somebody done switched up. We're not doing nothing, by the way. We're supposed to be doing it. <sighs> the spear came to Phineas, the grandson of Aaron. The same spear was still used at the time of Jesus of Nazareth and was carried out to the Mount of the Skull, or Golgotha, by the Sanhedrin during the crucifixion. This spear was considered to be the authority and witness when the, hand, when the Sanhedrin condemned someone to death. The spear is supposed to be considered authority of witness when the Sanhedrin, they took it all the way down to when they was condemning people. It said Roman Catholics also revere meteorites that have been that have built numerous churches at the site of a meteor fall. So they so these they, they see <clears throat> Roman Catholic churches, especially the ancient ones, is supposed to be set after satanic altars. That's what I'm if you want to talk about what a temple looked like what the ancient Hebrews was worshiping, it don't look nothing like no Roman Catholic church. There's no stained glass windows and a lot of that stuff that I the symbolism and the uh idolatry is just riddled with idolatry that's not a real thing this is really satanic thing and now to hear that they had set up or erected churches you know in the places that uh, fallen angels or meteorites that have come on i don't know that's what they did I, that that sounds to me like you stargazing and you worshiping the 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 moon and stuff and things that is not of god move on uh I think I there's anything else I really want to say more about it. Just that that's what they had to say about it. It's also called the Holy Lance. Now, if you want to talk about the Holy Lance in the Bible, we can go to John chapter 19, verse 34. And chapter 19, verse 34, where it says here, But the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. Now, I want to read you all something else that ties into us. It's also on the Spear of Destiny. It says, A legendary Christian relic, the Spear of Longinus. Now, Longinus is supposed to be the name of the man in verse 34, chapter 19 of John, the soldier who pierced the side. That's why they called it that. Uh, it says, Occult legends state that Whoever now a cult legend talks about the spear of destiny that pissed him. Why? Why are you talking about all of that? If all y'all do just be meeting and stuff and then go home and and, and and I don't know, be doctors or the pillars of your community and then you come back here and talk about this stuff that's not real, you don't have no. I mean, if even if you're telling people it's allegorical, that's what I'm telling you. The people on the top know that it's real. Everybody on the bottom get this water dad crap. It's allegorical. It's all metaphorical for us to live our lives, but we have to know it. Why? Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Occult legends state that whoever claims the spear and understands its occult significance holds the destiny of the world in his hands. According to Houston Stewart Chamberlain, British-born propagandist for the anti-Semitism and the German philosophy of an Aryan master race. <laughs> Aryan master, Hitler. Hey, we're going to talk about Hitler too. That's why I said God put it all together for me when I was doing this study today. It said this spear was claimed by Constantine the Great, okay, Justinian, Charles Martel, Charlemagne, okay, and it says here, the Spear of Destiny, probably known as the Maurice Spear, was exhibited in um, the Hofburg Museum in Vienna. Now listen to this, because this is where Hitler come in, y'all. We was just talking about him, and we was just talking about why would be his fascination with all this stuff. 
It says it attracted the attention of the young Adolf Hitler, who linked it with the legends of the Holy Grail and made his own plans to be a man of destiny. The spear held a special fascination for Hitler and his associates in the hothouse atmosphere of occultism and evil philosophies that gave rise to the Nazi plan for world domination. I said in a previous episode when I was talking about him, I said it's almost as if the man was born to be Antichrist. What I mean by that is destined. It was as if the man was destined to open up, to come be born, to come open up the gate. I believe that was Lucifer Osiris could have been in that man. I don't care what nobody say. To open up them gates over there at Antarctica to start ushering in the beginning of what is now going to be this new world we're going into. Okay, it's gates that was open and things of that. And that's what I believe happened. I believe that he was born for that for a reason. Okay, it just did not come into fruition. He, didn't, he wasn't going to do it. God, whoever wasn't going to do it, let him be the final in Christ. But something rose up in him. I mean, how is it that you managed? Did he get occult books and started to make himself? I, I was joking, but like the Damien of the day or the omen of the day. How from a young age you was looking at this stuff and managed to literally become a world leader? What did you just become the best army person? What did you kill the, the guy who was in charge of? How did you do that? That man was something else. And I'm not saying as far as I'm impressed, but sheesh. Moving on. Again, the spear held a special fascination for Hitler and his associates in the hothouse atmosphere of occultism and evil philosophies that gave rise to the Nazi plan for world domination. In 1935, Heinrich Himmler had a replica of the spear made and kept in his private room. People were obsessed with this thing. These people, it's not enough to have money and be powerful. Some people get addicted to power. It's exactly how I told you the other side come over to our side because we have power and more power than them. When they're sending out all these spells and it don't work and it's return to sender, they're trying to figure out what is it about you? What's about your God? Sometimes they don't run to God if they love God. Sometimes they want to come to God because they want the protection. Come to love them later. We don't care. Just come over and stop messing with that stuff you messed with over there. Heinrich Himmler had a replica of the spear made and kept in his private room. Three years later, Hitler led his troops into Austria, the first stage of his plan for world conquest. One of his first acts was to remove the spear of destiny. Listen to this. Hitler. He was, to, he was trying to remove the spear of destiny. Um, Trevor Raisenkopf has compiled an exhaustive account of the story of the spear. The manner in which it influenced Hitler was integral to the occult philosophy that premediated the upper echelons of the Nazi movement and affected the actual involvements or events of World War II. He said, Ravenscroft drew much of his unique research information from Walter Johannes Stein or Johannes Stein. He was born in 1891 and he died in 1957. And this Walter Johannes Stein, who knew Hitler as a young man and saw Hitler's books concerned with occultism and grail legends with copious manuscript notes by Hitler himself indicating the beginner of his Nazi philosophy. He started his, his Nazi philosophy from a child, according to what they are saying here. And the resource here is a Ravenscroft. Trevor or Trevor Ravenscroft is called the Spear of Destiny. 
They also have a Spear of Destiny in comic books. Because, you know, comics, believe it or not, and these uh, Spider-Man um, hybrid, <laughs> I got bit by a spider and now my DNA didn't change. Uh, you know, Superman, I'm, I'm, I look like a man, but I have these supernatural powers. This is all Nephilim. This is all Fallen Angel hybrid stuff. They put it in, you know, Mr. Glass and uh, they did that movie Glass recently. Remember, Samuel Jackson was Glass and then you had Bruce Willis is the guy who was super strong. And then you had the government agency picking these hybrid people with the, yeah, they're humans, but they have these supernatural powers. Whether you call them superhero, a demon, whatever, they was not full human, but the government not going to tell them that. The government took them out, called them into a place uh, where they're going to be locked in and studied and told that they have a mental illness of some sort and just, they don't want them in society. The whole point is put them out of society because if you stay in society, people are going to know that things like this out are going to start asking so many questions. Same thing with Hancock. Hancock, you know, it was kind of funny, but, you know, um, you can't have a Hancock running around here knocking into buildings and knocking. People are going to start wondering, what is you? <laughs> what, what is that? So you have to understand why comics are the way they are. It says the Spear of Destiny is one of 13 artifacts that was once used by the Roman um Longinus to pierce the side of Jesus. Again, just more reference. The spear has the power of foresight. Listen, the spear has the power of foresight. And wielding it, one can channel their powers through it and destroy demons and beings of magical nature. It also says that whoever claims the spear and understands its occult significance holds the destiny of the world in his hands. Ooh. And that's why I'm going to end this lesson today. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to add. You know, there is. We over an hour. And I wasn't even trying to keep us here this long today. It's about the, oh, it's 5.14 in the morning. Mm. Da -da 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 -da. What else I want to read? The Holy Land. I know there's more. Because every time I get off, I'm like, oh, I wanted to tell them this. I wanted to tell them that. I was talking too much. All right. It says here, I'm going to close out with this last couple thoughts you have here. I will tell you now that Freemasonry is one of the most wicked and terrible organizations upon this earth. The Masons are major players in the struggle for world domination. The 33rd degree is split into two. One split contains the core of the Luciferian Illuminati and the other contains those who have no knowledge, no knowledge of it whatsoever. All of the intelligence officers that I worked for while in naval intelligence were Masons. As I stated before, I believe that my association with the Demole Society as a young adult may have been the reason that I was selected for naval security and intelligence. However, that is only a guess. Now, he goes on to say, I say fortunately because uh, he said my previous allegation that I published in my paper, the secret government that the CIA had plants called moles deep within the Vatican. I do not wish to be called a plagiarist, so you must read Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and the Messianic Legacy, both by Bajent, Lee, and Lincoln. A rep, any reputable bookstore should carry them. And he says, specifically read between the pages of 30, 343 and 361. If you think I'm not going to do this, you're crazy. You know I am. I just haven't gotten to it yet. That's why I'm most likely going to do a part two, three. This is going to go on forever. Says of the, it says, between pages, uh... 343 and 361 of this book, the, Messi the Messianic Legacy, you can read the alliance of power that resulted in a secret world government. It says members of the Freemasons are not aware that the Illuminati practice 
what is known as secrets within secrets or organizations within organizations. That is one purpose of initiation. I cannot excuse any of the members, however, for anyone who joins a society without knowing everything about the organization is indeed a fool. Only those at the top who have passed every test truly know what the Masons are hiding, thus rendering it impossible for anyone outside to know much at all about the group, let alone the ones on the bottle at these basic lodges that I know the address to. Oh, there's a lodge over here. There's a lodge over there. I mean, we, we, we rent them out sometimes <laughs> for parties back in the day when we was younger. What does that say about new members are those who are already members but do not know the ultimate secrets? Question mark. It tells me that fools abound. Amen. Because they don't know what they're dabbling with. And I know for a fact when I read a book, uh, uh, every, t- every level or degree you're on, they tell you you know this. But then when you get to the next degree, they tell you what you knew before was not, was not real. This was real. And you get to the next step if, you've, if you're even allowed. Okay. And oh, what they're telling you, you never know. You never know till you get to the top. So that's why it's like you already just being lied to and tri- what the hell? And of course, curiosity kills the cat because the whole thing is what's behind the store? What's behind the store? I want to know more. I want to know more. If they let you know more, you'll know. It says here, it tells me that fools bound. Unlike authors who, out of fear, have acted as apologists for the Freemasons, I decline to absolve them of responsibility and guilt. The Freemasons, like everyone else, are responsible for their cleanliness of their home. The occupant of a secret house with a secret house. Oh, the occupant of a secret house within a secret house within a secret house cannot clean if he cannot see the number of rooms or what they contain. The house is a stinking cesspool. Look to the Masons for the guilty party if anything happens to me. I believe that they have murdered in the past and they will murder in the future because in those times, it wasn't like today. Today, they could just sit there and put up a whole bunch of ideas. Kemet, uh, uh, a bunch of uh, religious, jealous, Jesus freaks, uh, judgmental Christian. If it's not that, they got all kind of another new age stuff like uh, the, the pineal gland, your third eye, all kind of others. There's too many things. And then you have all the trolls that come on. And of course, these days and times are more of like, free acceptance uh, homosexuality i'm not uh, saying anything about them i'm just simply saying things that uh in previous days was kind of frowned upon or morals this is not a day of morals anymore so yeah it's terrible they were killing back then because people were actually saying stuff that people would pay attention to and they didn't know how to damage control now they could damage control you'd have to be saying a whole lot and be in a very big position of power like celebrities it's not me that's a threat to them anymore they can have a thousand people come and just discredit me or just make me try to chase me away it's not gonna work though but when it's a celebrity and they put you in power and you're on mk ultra and all this other stuff and then you start getting woke like michael jackson you start getting woke like prince you start getting you start doing that thing like they said with hiram abif you have to die keeping the secret to not keep the secret is to die. So you're either going to keep the secret till the day you die, making you, you know, what you're supposed to be and the best, one of the best initiated members and in what you're supposed to be as a member or do as a member. Or you're going to open your mouth and tell. But if we find out, especially if you're of, of an order, I'm not of no order. I didn't take no oath. I'm talking. I can take it. I can tell it. But if you of the other side and you done did this and you say, yeah, they fix, they, they, they kill it because better to kill. 
a dead man can't talk, dead woman can't talk, man. What was they saying? What they, oh, we don't know. They, we shut through. Ooh, ooh. And they never find the killers. Because the killers is always a drug, <laughs> supposedly. Even though Prince was drinking kale and seaweed juice. Boy, we ain't going to talk about that. I don't know if there's anything else I want to say. He says, I firmly believe that all adult secret societies that practice degrees of initiation and consider the members to be illuminated are branches of the original ages old Illuminati. Their goal is to rule the world. The doctrine of the group is not democracy or communism, but a form of fascism. The doctrine is totalitarian socialism. They said they're not communism, com- communists, but... The Illuminati are not communists, but some communists are Illuminati. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, here it goes here. It says the California Senate understood that communism is the work of the Illuminati. They said they failed to realize that. The, I just want to list other uh, secret societies like the Council on Forest Relations and the Trilateral Commission. Also work for the Illuminati. You must begin to work her. You must begin to think correctly. The enemy is not communism. It's Illuminism, he says. The communists are not going to be much happier with the new world order than we are. He said, I hope to show that most modern secret societies, and especially those that practice degrees of initiation, and that is the key, are really one society with one purpose. You may call them whatever you wish. The Order of the Quest, the Jason Society, the Rashaniya, the Kabbalah. Even the Kabbalah is here with the Q because it wasn't always with a K. I mean, yeah, with a K. The Knights Templar, the Knights of Malta, the Knights of Columbus, the Jesuits, the Masons, the Ancient and Mystical Order of the Rosicrucius or the Rosicrucian. The Illuminati, the Nazi Party, the Communist Party, the executive members of the Council of Foreign Relations, the group, the Brotherhood of the Dragon, the Rosicrucian, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberger Group, the Open Friendly Secret Society, or also known as the Vatican. The Vatican is a secret society. Their real name is the Open Friendly Secret Society. They, they even then, when they were trying to find a name, they tried to make it sound good too. We're the open, friendly, secret society. <laughs> the Russell Trust, the Skull and Bones, the Skull and Key, the Order. They are all the same, all the work toward the same ultimate goal, a new world order. And this is the last thing I'm going to say on what he's saying for today. This he didn't finish. I'm just me wrapping up. Many of them, however, disagree on exactly who will rule this world order. And that is what causes them to sometimes pull in opposite directions while nevertheless proceeding toward the same goal. The Vatican, for instance, wants the Pope to head the world coalition. Some want Lord Maitera to to, to, to head the new world order. You know, this reminds me of... So basically, even though they all got different groups and they all pushing and pulling or whatever, and they all got the same goal, they're still trying to figure out. It's like they're running for election. Which one of the groups is going to be? It's just like how the 13 bloodlines, the Antichrist has to come from one. They feel it's going to come from the Merovingian bloodline, which is supposed to be from the royals. I'm not sure, though. Anyway, um, it reminds me of, um, I love Paris of the Caribbean. That was the days of exploration. Y'all really think those people were, were dumber than us? You're crazy. Like, they built their own boats. They sailed. They came back when they wanted to come back, and they were survivors because they knew wh- whether or not to go into that. What? 
these people was a different breed. But Pirates of the Caribbean, I'm talking about when they had to do uh, the nine pieces of eight. I know if, if you know, you know. And they all had to come. They had to get all the, I guess you say, captains from every part of the world who had the nine pieces. And they all had to come together to do the conjuring. Or and then they all had to decide who of the, of the nine was going to lead them against, I guess you could say, David Jones, whoever the damn enemy was at the time. Excuse my language. And they decided that they was going to pick Elizabeth Swan, even though she wasn't a real captain, but she had, she, she had been, I guess you could say, ordained the legal way in the code of pirates to become a pirate. So, yeah, it was, it was pirates. It wasn't, long story short, um, that's what it sounds like to me. Right? Even though they have a whole bunch of them and they're all like pirates or whatever in their own parts of the world, they all work what they're going to do. They all do their own. It's like a body. You have the brain, you have the eyes, but they all work together to, to, for the sake of the group to have the end goal or the end result. But they got to decide who's going to, they don't know yet. I think one thing they can't decide on is who the Antichrist is going to be, but maybe they will. They're going to figure out who's going to rule. We don't know that. It's like we don't know the day and the hour because the Messiah told us that, too. We don't know the day hour he's coming back. I mean, we have to be able to know how to spot the Antichrist. And that's all I got to say. I don't have anything else. I'm trying to go through all my photos before I get over here and say, oh, I forgot to tell the people. I meant to tell the people this. I told you all about the Hitler. And Milton William Cooper, I'm so thankful for him. It says here in his wiki that he was an American conspiracy theorist, which tries to discredit him, radio broadcaster and author, known for his 1991 book, Behold, a Pale Horse, in which he warned of multiple global conspiracies, some involving extraterrestrial life. You know, good and well, he didn't say extraterrestrial life. He was talking to clearly about fallen angels and Lucifer, but... You know how the world is. Cooper also described HIV and AIDS as a man-made disease, which that's the other thing about this book. I'm going to talk about this book more. I know there's more meat in here, especially about societies. I'm, like I said, I'm just reading. Look, look how much this took already. How much time this took already. He literally releases classified, or that was classified, but top secret documents because he was a naval um, service or secret in- intelligence for the Navy. And when it comes down to AIDS, it was a $10 million project to manufacture this thing. It, it's, he has, that's why the man was killed. It wasn't that he was just talking, he was releasing it. And that's not to say that they don't have classified things that they don't later release to the public. But you should know, he has Area 51 stuff in here too. I'm going to go back through this book, guys. Don't worry. Classified. Things that were top secret that, yes, they release things later. But usually by the time they release it, people aren't thinking about it anymore. It's not even that, forget you don't know where to find it. You're just not thinking about it anymore. We have too much distractions between your bills, your favorite celebrity, uh, whatever the hell is going on, your relationship, your marriage, you're tired, you want to go on vacation, you're broke, you're hungry. Who's doing that? You know, this is not the age of, if you know how much people want, people study on their own, especially stuff like this. I like, I I call myself a study of this stuff. You got to want that. Nobody's paying me to do this. This is not required for me to to do that. I need to read this book so I could uh, pass this class so I don't waste mine and my family's money so that I could go ahead and become this successful thing and literally throw this information out later because it's just a means to end right now just for me to graduate so I can get out of this class. This is not what this is, you know, studying this thing. Is a choice because the way we talk in here, the way we read in here, the way we represent books here, this there's not one earthly, worldly television show program song on your radio right now in heavy rotation that's 
teaching you this stuff. This stuff is available, but you got to put it together yourself, which means on the time you're going to have to stop paying attention to other things to really sit down and focus on this thing. To fo- where the focus is at? This is not the time where they're telling you open up a book. If they tell you open up a book, it's either self-help, okay, or something like that, or go to school, learn the book so you can know your stuff. And most people only retain the stuff that's going to make them the money. So if I go to nursing, I'm going to need to remember everything I learned about phlebotomy and all this stuff because uh, I can't afford to go to work and not do the job right. They're going to take my license and I may end up in jail, okay? But how many people are really saying, I want to know this thing, not because it's going to make me money. For me, it's beautiful. I love it. It's my passion. It's going to, it's for my soul. It's for my well-being. If I could help others, God help. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's for using me, you know, but I want this. Shoot, this ain't something. And I don't know how to get other people to be as passionate about it as I am. You know, that's what it have to come from within. But I think it's the best. I think everybody who loved the, I think that's what, the, I don't think, I think I know that's what our ancestors was doing as far as the heavyweights of the book. They knew their stuff. They knew their book. It got to the point by the time I believe Daniel was in captivity by the Babylonians again. How many times Babylon, Israel and Babylon, Israel and Babylon. It got to the point they took all the books away and he was still able to remember all the prophecies and everything because he knew it in his heart. You, These people wasn't just walking around one day and then they just got blessed. But no, these people, Shem had houses and institutions of learning. Shem was the high priest Melchizedek. Shem and Melchizedek is the one and the same. Noah, well, you know, had a whole house learning institution. Everybody learned from the book. When it was time for Abraham, especially in the book of Joshua, when Nimrod wanted to kill Abraham because he knew that if, if Abraham was born, they said that Nimrod's kingdom or Nimrod's reign. But by the time Abraham would be born and have kids, Nimrod, would, well, Nimrod did live like three, four. They, they were still living hundreds of years, um, actually, at that time. <coughs> But it was saying that if that if the child is born, that his reign is going to end or something of that nature. And Nimrod said, no, we got and, and they was family. They was family. Terah and Nimrod was family. And Abraham and Nimrod, all of them is family. Just, I don't care which line you call. Shem is from Abraham. Abraham is from Shem. And then you got Nimrod from Ham. They was brethren. And he was trying to kill his own brethren because he knew the promise was going to come through his brethren. That's the Antichrist spirit. But I don't even know how I got on that. Except for I just want to get up out of here. Okay. And the other time I feel Antichrist spirits came up is every time you had Herod, like, you know, the side is never clear. That's why I'm talking about these soothsayers and your little magicians and your little fortune teller and she knowing she got a gift. She, they all got a gift to keep the people sitting right by the kings couldn't even tell clearly. They said their baby male is going to be born. This happened a few times. First it was for, for Abraham. Baby male going to be born. If he lives, you're going to be done off. What? No. Herod, too. Herod, uh, a, a little boy baby going to be born. If this baby is born... <laughs> They never know who the baby is. That's what I mean by the messages is never clear. They never know who the baby is. So they'd be like, throw all the babies out. Kill all the male babies. Same thing happened with Moses. They said, what? No. A baby going to be born. You see, what is it about these leaders? Even every time they hear it, they say, whether they think that the kingdom is going to be killed today, the kingdom is going to be, how we know that they just didn't understand it to mean, oh, Lord. The Messiah is still working to come through. We still didn't kill it out. No matter how many times we plague the gene pool, no matter how many times we kill, no matter times we oppress them, the prophecy is still working. And on that note, that's all I got to say. I love you guys, and I'll see you all next time here on Who's on the Lord's Side.